Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 35, Sports in Laos. My name is Bobby, and joining me as always is David. So I'm not sure if this is the case everywhere in the world, but in the U.S., I feel every other country in Southeast Asia gets talked about more than Laos. Like, honestly, before recording this, I think Laos was the country in the region I knew the least about. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's probably fair. You know, Thailand is a big, and then the, the Vietnam War happened, and I don't know, Cambodia, Myanmar. I feel like Laos is kind of the forgotten one of Southeast Asia. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, you know, that's why we do this. We like to shine a light on the countries we know very little about. And, of course, we do that mainly through the sports, but gotta cover the basics first. So with Laos, let's start with the name. You may hear it pronounced Lao, which is what people in the country call it. But in English, there's an S at the end. I think we can blame the French on this because the S was like silent, but they united multiple kingdoms of Laos. So we'll just call it Laos with an S. Yeah, well, here in the U.S., we don't really call countries by their preferred name. You know, I think of like, you know, Germany and Deutschland. And we talked about Kyrgyzstan, which is not what they call themselves. Uh, So we, we, we play by our own rules here in the United States. Yeah, guess that's the way. And hey, it's other English-speaking countries, too. Uh, just want to throw that out there. No, it's just us. That's right. <laughs> Be angry at us. <laughs> Dude, we're not that special. Gosh. <laughs> but with Laos, location, as we said, Southeast Asia. And it's landlocked by all those other Southeast Asian nations. So Vietnam is to the east, Cambodia is to the south, Thailand to the southwest and the west, Myanmar's to the northwest, and there's even a border with China to the north. Now, the countries in that area got some real long and funky shapes to them, including Laos. So uh, you could say it looks like a palm tree, but to me, it looks like there's a rooster, and it's got its beak looking down to the left. It got some feathers on its head and just a really long neck. (laughs) I don't know what you see there, but that's what I see. I see like, and this is weird. This is like a weird thing to even suggest, but like a like a like a nerve cell, you know, with like the the head at the top and then like the uh, little body on it. That's okay, okay. Uh, but the reason that is oddly shaped, the western border largely follows the Mekong River. It's the third longest river in Asia, but the eastern border with Vietnam it lies along the Annamite Mountain Range. But aside from those features, Laos is very forested. Got some plateaus. But let's be real here. The thing that people know about this part of the world, it's the climate. It's hot, it's humid, and then you got monsoon season. Yeah, I feel like this whole part of the world, there's something about the monsoon season that just seems, I don't know, it's for whatever reason, you know, we attribute it to that, that, and, you know, we expect jungles. And uh, I think uh, during the Vietnam War, we uh, bombed Laos a few times. I, I think there was like, you know, some supply lines in there that we suspected and uh, it was not, not a good time in our history, we'll say. We'll get to that. We will get to that. I mainly wanted to mention it because the rainfall during monsoon season. It, if you're unfamiliar, monsoons, very heavy rainfall in some months and then very dry in the others. So it's interesting places that have seasonal rainfall. Like we associate Seattle being super rainy, but then there are places in like the middle of Texas that could have more rainfall in the U.S. just because heavily seasonal stuff. But Seattle is just constantly overcast the whole year. I don't know. It's, it's weird, like averages, how it evens out over the whole year. 
yeah I, I, when you put it that way it does sound quite you know i i don't know steady rain i can deal with you know we went to school in wilmington so steady rain i can deal with it doesn't bother me at all but like periods of just like heat and then like oh it's like a rainy season and a dry season and you're getting all your rain mostly in that one season and it's just torrential it'd be uh it'd be a real struggle especially when it comes in summer even though laos is in the tropics so it it stays warm the entire year but on a hot and rainy versus hot and dry i don't know whatever you prefer but uh david we're gonna guess the population i always like to give this to you oh gosh i know i hate it uh... so hold on hold on we land area it's comparable to the u.s state of minnesota which is 236,000 square kilometers so it's kind of big ish it's like middle of the packet in the grand scheme of things you say that like you know i know the population of the state of minnesota for help well just um, giving you a size range okay i'm gonna guess like between like five and ten somewhere in there and you would be correct it is 7.5 million it's the current estimates uh so not small but not really large especially compared to their neighbors like so myanmar got 50 million people, Thailand, 70 million, Vietnam is like 100 million people. So not to get ahead of ourselves, but you can see where their neighbors have such larger populations. It's a major disadvantage for sports. Just saying. I knew Vietnam had a lot of people, but I didn't know that the other ones, uh, and I knew Thailand too had a decent amount of people, but I didn't realize Myanmar also had a lot of people. If I would have known that, maybe I would have gone a lot larger in population. But that's kind of crazy that it's just that vastly different. Yeah, I mean, landlocked, uh, I guess that's the major reason. But capital city should mention Vientiane. Uh, that's like the French way of saying it. I think locals call it like Vientiane, something like that. But got one million people. Just wanted to mention it because if you're into architecture, a lot of cool sites in the city, a lot of French influence. But there's like a lot of Buddhist wats and stupas. I just really like the the designs of a lot of these Buddhist places of worship. It's like a lot of towers, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely got that feel. Like, you know it when you see it, that kind of Southeast Asian yeah. look. It's definitely one of the more appealing ones in, in my book. Uh, when it comes to, like, just generic, you know, world architecture styles and, like, the blending and stuff. It's um, it just it just looks nice. Yeah, and, and they use a lot of gold, so it really pops. Yeah, and then you throw that on, like, the dark, like foliage like the jungle background you know kind of it looks just like almost like it's out of an indiana jones movie you know oh, yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> uh so just in terms of the people ethnically little over half the country is ethnically lao uh you also have the Camus and the Hmong people around 10 percent each there's a ton of smaller groups beyond that we're just not going to get into it uh but one thing that is important to mention lao is an ethnicity laotian it's like the demonym of people mm. from the country. So there's a difference. It's like, if you remember back Bangladesh, Bangladeshi is all the people, but Bengali, that was one of the ethnicities. So they're not one in the same, just to keep it clear. Now, language. Lao is the only official language, but every ethnic group, they're going to have their own language, and those languages are spoken by those groups. Uh, but French is also spoken in the country, especially in government and the universities. So let's go into why. You ready for the little history lesson here? I can only imagine if it's anything like Vietnam, it's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, got some fun bits. Very much tied in with Vietnam. 
But we'll begin way back in the 1300s, the kingdom of Lanshang, which means land of a million elephants. So that kingdom lasts for a few centuries, eventually breaks apart because one of the leaders dies. Now you got three smaller kingdoms, and the Siamese take that over. The Siamese being present-day Thailand. But of course, we're going to fast forward in time. Late 1800s, colonial powers come in all over the world, and in this case, the French come in. Uh, the French take over the land that is present-day Laos, Thailand, they remain independent. But now Laos is part of French Indochina. That also includes Vietnam and Cambodia. But the French don't really care about Laos. It's just this landlocked buffer nation to protect them from the rest of the region. They want to protect Vietnam, is the gist. But we're going to fast forward again. World War II. The Japanese, they came in. They wanted to control Laos. The war ends. Obviously, the Japanese didn't win. Laos is like, are we free? I think we're free. No one's in charge of us anymore. But then the French run back in like, no, 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 no. We're still in charge. But it was too late. Laos already planted that seed. They're going for independence. So 1953, they're independent. But then whenever a country becomes newly independent, there's going to be a power struggle with government. And that is what happens. The Laotian Civil War. This lasts all the way to 1975, pretty much coincides with the Vietnam War, and it's the same issue. You got communist-backed one side, I guess democratically-backed in the other side. And yeah, Laos is the most bombed nation per capita in the entire world. So many bombs were dropped on Laos by the United States, some of which did not explode. There are so many active artillery in the ground in Laos like 50 people die per year from this artillery that just hasn't exploded until it like gets disturbed. It makes a lot of the farmland just uncultivatable, uh, I guess would be the word. And yeah, the communists win the war. So Laos is a one-party system, still is today. And I guess today they're on the poorer side in terms of world GDP and per capita. And there's been allegations of human rights abuses against certain people groups. But I think it's safe to visit. The unexploded bombs is the part that gets me the most. Yeah, that just kind of ruins everything. You know, just having, I feel like whenever someone finds something here, oh, then it's a big deal. You need to send a bomb squad out. And the fact that there's just a ton of them just sitting there waiting, it just, you'd hope, I guess, that we would have offered to like help them get rid of that. But I guess um, not really a priority on our part. Uh, that's just a bummer. Bums me out. Yeah. That's the thing with, because it's unexploded, I guess you can't tell for sure if it's active, like if is it an active danger or not. I mean, that stuff's just sitting there in fields that now you're not sure if you can even use. So then, <laughs> I don't know, it's like, what what do you do in that case? I, and I feel like if you like have a way of like finding it all, maybe you can do something, but it, it, if it's, it was bombed a lot, like there's probably, it's probably everywhere, you know, and like, Oof, just a, just a bummer, you know, yeah. just a real unfortunate situation for them. We'll leave it at that. I'll say, I don't recall learning about Laos when we covered the Vietnam War every single year of high school, it seemed. But anyway, let's move on to the reason you're here, the sports. We could start this off with the usual association football slash soccer. It is the most popular sport in Laos. But let's do one we haven't mentioned before on this podcast, Sepak Takrao. You could describe it as volleyball with your feet. And David, I know you're at least aware this one exists. Yeah, I've uh, 
I feel like this one kind of pops up every now and then on like, um, you know, Reddit with like, you know, just like an interesting sport. Uh, but this one, yeah, it's like a small, much smaller ball and just all feet. And that's, I don't know, it's mesmerizing. And I'm just seeing people that are that coordinated with their feet. Like we see it with uh, soccer, but this seems like on another level when it's volleyball-esque. Yeah, yeah. So to describe the game, it is a big sport in all of Southeast Asia. I believe Malaysia were the ones who formalized it, but it existed with unformalized rules in basically every country. So you play on a court that's about the same size as a badminton court, which is 13.4 meters by 6.1 meters. You have a net in the middle, divides the court in two. It's only about five feet high or one and a half meters. So you have three players per side. You could play with two or four per side if you want, but I think three is standard. And yeah, the gameplay, you just kick a small ball and try to get it onto the ground of your opponent's side to score a point, and you don't want it to hit the ground on your side. So basically volleyball. But you can only use your legs, chest, and head. You can't use your arms. And as for the ball, it's roughly the size of a softball. And it's made out of like this palm fiber stuff. It's kind of like, it looks like wicker, uh, but you could just use a plastic ball. I mean, they're mass produced at this point. And it weighs about six ounces, so it's not too heavy. So you can kick it without getting bruised. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine the size, it's, and if it's light, it doesn't get too crazy with like, you know, speeds and stuff, you know, since it's on the lighter side. It seems very interesting. I don't think I could ever be good at it. Um, I am bad enough with soccer balls and like using my feet. Like I, I can maybe do three or four, you know, juggle moves. And then, you know, <laughs> hey, that's all been you my need forte. in this. It's, I guess, yeah. It's just like volleyball. Like you can have three hits per side, but in this, you can hit it three times yourself. So like you can just hit it off your chest, control it, and then bicycle kick that <laughs> ball. Which, yeah, you see a lot of bicycle kicks, just overhead stuff. Like I don't know the exact name for it, but you see it in martial arts. Like you jump up with the one like your right leg mm, mm -hmm. and then you land on the same on the right leg as well there's a name for that type of kick but you see that all the time here yeah is it like where you're going like almost like sideways because is that you're talking about like yes yeah. the one i'm thinking of is like the it's called the showtime kick but it's like where the uh anthony pettis is nickname was showtime but he like ran on the side of the cage and then like it's like a really famous clip and he like steps off the cage and then kicks the guy in the face right right that would it would not be like that because there's no you know wall but you know similar <laughs> kind of like whip whip kind of thing going on yeah like you're whipping your leg really quickly uh i mean just imagine the speed you're getting on the leg because you can't your leg is essentially your bat in like a, a sport where you use a bat or a stick and you're just trying to get as much speed on the ball as possible and you want to hit it downward too because you have to yeah. hit it onto the ground yeah the net doesn't seem too high either like it doesn't seem like if you're just like, you know, decent height, you probably with your leg straight up, you're that flexible, you know, it's not like you have to like jump really high in the air and then like whip your feet right, across right. and stuff. God, now I'm thinking of just pulling a hamstring playing this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You have to be flexible because uh, yeah, it's only one and a half meters. Five feet is the height of the net. So you can stand over it, but your leg has to get over it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I should also mention Sapak Krau. It's also known by a bunch of different names, but in Laos, Katal, uh, or Katal maybe. But the reason we mention it for Laos is they enjoy the sport a lot, just like all of the other countries in Southeast Asia. 
I mean, Thailand, they dominate the sport internationally, but Malaysia, Vietnam, Myanmar, they're all regulars on the medal podium for different competitions. Now, from what I can tell, Laos's most notable achievement with Sepak Takrao would be winning two silvers and a bronze at the Asian Games in the sport. Because keep in mind, you got men's and women's, but then you have like 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, and I think they have like mixed teams sometimes. So there's a lot of different categories. I mean, two silvers, that's great. Unfortunate, they haven't got a gold because they've never gotten a gold in any sport at the Asian Games. And I don't know, getting one in a team sport, I feel like it means more than getting one in an individual one. I guess just, you need multiple people, obviously. And you're competing as a country. You're not just competing as an individual at that point. You heard that, folks. Bobby's saying individual sports don't matter and aren't as impressive as uh, team sports at the Olympics. And Okay, us. okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, a bummer. It's, the Asian games are interesting just because they'll bring in games for that that only a few countries are really good at. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just seems very inclusive. And Asia is such a big place. You know, it's 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 a very interesting idea. It's just, I don't know, having a game where it's like this one region plays it a lot. And then like, I imagine there are other places that are trying to like compete, you know, in that. But it's just, you know, not the same. It, yeah. It's got to be tough. I think for Sepak Takrao, it was like South Korea and Japan were the <laughs> only outsiders, so to speak. But yeah, Asian games out of the multi-sport games, like obviously Olympics is number one, but out of the continental ones, I think Asian games has the most prestige behind it. Yeah, I I, I think if um you know how uh, South Korea has uh, mandatory conscription, I think mm-hmm. so. An Olympic medal gets you out, but I think also an Asian games medal gets you out of conscription too, because like I think they brought video games into the Asia games, so League of Legends they play at the Asia games, and so they were talking about. Faker, who's like the best player in the world, was like, if he just gets a medal there, he won't have to do his military service in theory. They can can play forever, you know, or until the you know he's tired of playing. Um, and they were like, he's probably not the best player right now for you know the team, but like they'd give him like a sixth man spot, you know, a sub spot, so that he could get his medal and like you know not have to go to military service. Um, hasn't happened yet. Well, wild stuff. More you know. Whenever we get to South Korea, we'll talk so much about esports <laughs> and Faker, of course. But we're going to move on to, yeah, we passed over it before, but association football, soccer, whatever you want to call it. It is the most popular sport in Laos, as is the case in just about every country. But uh, the Lao League, or Lao League One, it's the men's top division, founded in 1990. And David, it is currently sponsored by a company founded in North Carolina. Can, can you guess which one that is? Oh, God. So I, I'm only thinking, there's only two options, I think. Okay. I think... It's either, oh gosh, it's either SAS, I would say, or it's Epic. Think even bigger. Think Newburn in a drugstore in the 1800s. A, a certain soft drink. Oh, is it, a, is, it, is it Pepsi? Yeah, Pepsi sponsors the Lao League. I guess like, I, I know Pepsi was like made here, but I, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I don't see them as like being headquarters out of North Carolina, you know? Oh, they're not anymore, but yeah, okay. they were founded in North Carolina. So, you know, we just got to tie back to NC every episode, right? It's true. It always comes back. That is the one thing that ties the world together. It's not just the fact that, you know, there are lots of people and what, what's it like six degrees and you like can know everyone in the world or something like that or seven degrees or something like that. Of, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's not that. It's North Carolina. Holding down <laughs> yes. the fort. 
And look, I'm not even looking for it. I saw Pepsi. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of random. Wait a minute. I can use this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as the teams, it's currently an eight-team league. Admittedly, it's on the weaker side of Asian soccer. So you're not going to see any club make a deep run in the international or like a, the continental level stuff like the Champions League. But most successful club, Lao Army FC. They've won eight league titles. But the team to watch right now, Young Elephants FC. They won their first league title last season, currently undefeated in 2023. And yeah, just an awesome name and a really cool badge. Yeah, nice big golden elephant on the badge, kind of staring at you, almost like soulless eyes, to be honest, just coming out for for, for blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hey, black and gold, I dig the combo. Yeah, Bobby's a big Vegas Knights fan. Very nice stadium, very nice colors, but <laughs> pulling for the Devils. NHL playoffs just started. If you're, they're literally playing right now. I don't know yes. if you know that. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, we'll see how well that ages. Maybe they go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. But internationally with association football, Laos hasn't had much success. Uh, no World Cup appearances, no Asia Cup appearances for men or for women. But they did finish third in this tournament. It was in 2016 called the AFC Solidarity Cup. It was for countries who didn't make it far in the World Cup qualifiers for that cycle, which is a really cool concept. Great for promoting the sport in those countries. Just a really odd name choice, like the Solidarity Cup. You're just kicking them while they're down. Yeah, kind of a backhanded. It's kind of like, you know, if it was called the Consolation Cup or something. It used to be called the Challenge Cup. Yeah, that's a good name. Solidarity. Yeah, uh, but finished third there. I think Nepal won it. Yeah, it wasn't the most competitive. I feel like the like the only worst option would be like, you know, the Participation Cup where it's like, oh, participation trophy <laughs> you filled it a team come play yeah like i saw some teams just didn't even bother like they withdrew after they were invited i feel like even getting like the title or like the trophy and it's like it's just a solidarity cup you're just like oh i don't know it doesn't even feel like a real trophy it feels, <laughs> feels like them being mean to you what it feels like. <laughs> yeah good concept maybe not the best execution uh, I feel a good summation of where Laos stands in the world of soccer is how they've done at the AFF Championship. That's the name for the Southeast Asian Cup, their trophy. It happens every other year. You got like eight to ten teams in that. Laos have never made it out of the group stage. So they've played 45 games since 1996. David, how many games of those 45 have they won? I'm afraid the answer is like zero. But I will say like three, two, two. Okay, two out of forty-five. That's um <clears throat> not the best record. I'm glad they have wins though. I like, I was really concerned it was going to be like just draws. They've only gotten draws. It, I believe six draws, two wins, six draws, and uh, was that thirty-eight losses? Th no, thirty-seven. Yeah, that's uh that's rough. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the women's national team, they at least finished fourth at that tournament before. But look, Laos, they're not making any major waves in football anytime soon. I mean, that's not the point necessarily. Like, you want the sport to grow, and you may not see results immediately. But look, they, they are just far behind Thailand and Vietnam in that region. And this is the thing. Thailand and Vietnam, they've never qualified for a World Cup before, uh, like on the men's side at least. 
So it just shows you where Laos stands in all of the the grand yeah, scheme of like, the world. It's like yeah, there. I feel like situations where it's like oh, for whatever reason, these are the quote unquote bad or you know less talented teams, and when they're beating up on someone, you're like ooh. I don't know. I feel like in lots of competitions, there's like tiers of like uh, competitiveness. We'll say you know, and yeah. it's like you, whenever you see someone who's like middle of the pack just destroying like the bottom tier, you're like wow, they're much better than uh, <laughs> this team. And then the top teams are so much better than them. Yeah, and with the women's national team, you said that they finished fourth. Is that right? Yeah, so they finished fourth in Southeast Asia, and I think the positive there is because women's football is just it's in the early stages in a lot of countries. Like mm-hmm. a lot of teams, especially in Asia, they played their first game ever in the 2000s. And that's the case with Laos. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully with, you know, their next door neighbor being in the World Cup, the Women's World Cup this year. Um, right, right. Maybe that'll spark something. Uh, I imagine it's that like, you know, age old women's jobs or to have children kind of thing. And so like when you get like, you know, even if you're good. You know, it's like they, the expectations, societal expectations kind of push you away from it. Uh, hopefully it'll change. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're getting at. Um, but there is one Laotian player that we need to mention because I did know one before going in. I hope I pronounced it right. But it, his name is Billy Ketkeo Fumfone. It's a very long last name. But first name, Billy. So we'll call him Billy. Billy was born in France to Laotian parents. He didn't actually play for Laos until 2021. and Currently, he's 33 years old, uh, so he's probably not going to play for Laos too much longer. But he played in the top two leagues in France, uh, like was playing uh, in the top division in France for a good while there, mainly as a forward. And yeah, I know him because I play FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know all the soccer players. Yeah, but when you see a name like that, I didn't know that he was like of Laotian descent. But you see that last name and you're like, okay somewhere over there i've seen that that's not a name yeah yeah that's not a uh just a name you forget when you see it you know yeah a 15 letter last name that's why i just call him billy but i believe kekeo from phone anyway let's move on to other team sports you know stuff like basketball volleyball it's popular recreationally but laos hasn't had international success in them but there is a team sport it's a bit more unique i guess you could say called Tiki or Lao Hockey. I couldn't find much in the way of rules for it, but it seems like it's a traditional sport. It's typically associated with Buddhist festivals in the country. So you got these sticks made from bamboo, and the ball is made from bamboo roots, and you just try to shoot it into a goal. But the thing is, you've got like 20-plus people on each team. So just imagine a massive, massive game of street hockey. And that's what you got. That's Lao Hockey or Tiki. Yeah, or like uh, the goals, not soccer size, but like definitely bigger than hockey. Yeah, it looks a bit bigger than a standard hockey net. It looks like it's taller than a standard human. So maybe like those like kid, like not like young kids, but like, you know, like the, the midway goal in between from, you know, youth soccer will play on yeah, you know, yeah. for a little bit. I think that's fair. I guess field hockey is somewhat of a comparison to it. I just recall playing in high school during gym class. We played a game of street hockey in the school parking lot. And uh, and in a gym class, it's similar to this. You got like 20 plus people per team, each like red hockey stick versus the blue hockey sticks. It's just a bunch of people running around trying to hit a ball into a goal. This gave me similar vibes, <laughs> but they use bamboo. So 
Yeah, it's a very uh, interesting sport. I mean, the the twenty plus people per team. I mean, that's gotta be in terms of I don't know, not official, but we'll say like you know, in terms of like just general sports where it's not like you actively modifying team size to accommodate you know numbers. Like that's gotta be one of the biggest team sizes, you know, yeah. in, in sports or at least actively playing. I imagine. Yeah, again, I couldn't find much in the way of like formal rules for this, but it just seems like uh, think back to the origins of a like soccer where it's just. I think they had a version in Italy where it's just a mob game. You have just swaths of people trying to score a ball. It was like a mob mentality. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess that's where this came from. But there is another sport a bit more unique, popular in Laos and popular in a lot of former French colonies, including Djibouti, where we first mentioned this one, Patank. I'm curious, do you remember anything about this one, David? Is this the one that, um, I don't know, kind of feels like a almost like bocce ball you know like yeah 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 it's a that that same type of sport yeah yeah yeah. a bulls sport bowls whatever you want to call it i'll quickly run through the gist again you can play it 1v1 2v2 or 3v3 but you got this loose gravel you throw out this little colorful ball that's like your jack and then you've got these metal balls and the object is to just flick them over and get your balls as close as possible to the jack and if you get a ball closer than your opponent, you get a point. If you get two balls closer than your opponent's closest ball, you'll get two points. Yeah, so basically trying to get your balls closest to the jack. I got the vibe that it's played a lot in Laos. Like you see it at restaurants or behind stores on like a main street. Think in the United States how cornhole is played at like breweries or you got horseshoes set up. I think that's what Patank would serve the similar role for. Yeah, it, it seems like a perfect game for that kind of, you know, relaxed atmosphere. And, you know, I mean, the scoring is very similar to Cornhole, where it's like, you know, best shots or whatever, you know, the more you have, the more points you get above your opponent. So, yeah, it does yeah. seem like a very fun, like, casual sport. You don't have to be, it, you know, it's not high stakes or anything like that. You just go play. I, I would be willing to try something like this. I, I don't even know. I'm sure there are differences, you know, how, but how different it, different it would be from bocce ball. I guess the metal balls is like the big thing. Yeah, I, I don't know how heavy they are, but just looking at the material, you feel they'd be heavier. And because like the motion you want, you grab the ball and your palm is facing downward and you just flick it upwards because you want to get that backspin to just plop it as close as possible. But, you know, strategy, you might try to get it a bit faster, get the top spin to knock your opponent's ball away. And that's why they got the loose gravel, so it kind of absorbs the uh, bounce, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. But you, you say casual, but this thing can get serious too. There's a world championship for it. And in 2019, Laos's women's 3v3 team finished in second place, the world championships. Of course, France dominates at this because they invented the sport. But again, though, so close to getting gold at something. It's a re- recurring theme here. <laughs> uh, back to your point about this having a world championship, Bobby. You uh, act like that's a big deal. Every sport seems to have a world championship. Like even right. if no one plays it, like everyone has a. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it is unfortunate to kind of just be on the cusp of something really big every time. But but this next person, Laos had a competitor who was a world champion, Jerry Yang. So he won the main event of the 2007 World Series of Poker. So he raked in $8 million in prize money for that. 
and he was born in Laos before making his way to the United States. Yeah, and um, a big event. I feel like a lot of people watch, you know, the World Series of Poker here. You know, not necessarily like everyone, but like a lot of people do, like more than you would think. Well, it's televised. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that's like, oh, this is on, I'll, and nothing else is on, I'll watch it, you know? Um, but still, though, that's crazy. I feel it's such a, like, grueling event. There's, like, so many people playing. I think there was over 6,000 and yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah, and the table's just, like, condensing, condensing, and condensing until you get to the final table. And uh, I don't know. I I Maybe it's because I haven't gambled a lot, but some of the bets that they throw in that, t- you know, like, multi-million dollar bets, and it's just like, mm, gambling is... Uh, it's too stressful for in high quantity for me. Mm-hmm. Especially when the stakes are that high. And I've just found this kind of, I guess, funny. The person who finished second place that year was a Vietnamese Canadian. So someone born in Vietnam, then moved to Canada. So I just found that like, you know, a person going from Laos to the United States, then a person who finishes second going from Vietnam to Canada. What are the odds of that? Yeah, it's like a double, double rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we're going to wrap it up like usual individual sports and the olympics so david do you think that laos has won an olympic medal oh gosh uh pro- probably not right i mean based off the way this episode's gone you're you're correct <laughs> i mean it's unfortunate but they've only been participating independently since 1980 and then keep in mind 1984 they boycotted the los angeles olympics uh, but they usually have people in swimming sprinting events but the big one is combat sports name any martial art or combat sport laos has someone participating in it and probably pretty good at it too like looking at the asia games specifically laos is meddled in boxing karate uh, wushu which is kung fu but i think in anywhere outside of the western part of the world they call it wushu instead but they've also got their own sport mui lao dave have you heard of mui thai yeah, I used to do uh, Muay Thai, fun fact. I don't know if you knew that about me, but I used to do Muay Thai back in the day. Well, more you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, heck, you want to describe what the, the vibe is with that? Yeah, it's uh, like a, you know, obviously it's a contact sport. A lot of focus on legs and knees and elbows. Um, mostly the legs, though, it's, you know, kind of utilizing like the most powerful, you know, muscles in your body to strike your opponent crazy violent sport though like if you ever watched a match like uh, it just it looks like they're gonna kill each other um (laughs) and like the knees and the elbows are so sharp it's just like you're bound to bleed you know if you make good contact and the face has so many blood vessels that like it's just it's just bound to happen you know it's crazy well yeah i was gonna i have in my notes here like it's a violent sport it's essentially just kickboxing yeah but violent because you think the amount of torque that your legs provide i should also say Every country in Southeast Asia has their own name for a very similar type of martial arts slash combat sport. So Muay Thai and Muay Lao, very, very similar. It's just they debate the origin of it and they say like our version slightly different. I just think the Thai version is the one that's internationally known the most. Yeah. And then when you have that situation of sub 10 million population versus, you know, 70 million Thai people, it's it's hard to make that argument, you know, that <laughs> or you know, to, and to be exposed on such a big level. But yeah, Muay Thai is crazy. Like you have to be in such good shape to do it. There's like that famous like clinch where you know they take the person's head and they like basically pulling it down so they can you know knee them and yeah. they can like elbow them in the clinch too. And like ooh, very violent sport. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done that exercise. Like, you pretend you're dragging someone's head to your knee. It's just, all right, get the knees up, everyone. You're doing good. Keep the cardio. But that's a real thing. <laughs> People do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Laos, they're really into martial arts, combat sports. I use both terms because, like, depending on how you approach a certain discipline, I guess you could use either one. But one last person that we should mention and that is EA Sime. So Laos, they don't have an Olympic medal, but Sime earned them their first and only Paralympic medal. It was a bronze in powerlifting in the 2008 Beijing Paralympics. So we talked in the Uganda episode, there's a Paralympian, he was a runner, but limited support in the arms. But powerlifting here, it's the opposite. It's bench press, but you have little to no leg support. Yeah, that... Uh insane and i feel like uh, you know i'm always i guess uh flabbergasted by just what people are capable of you know with different disabilities or whatever and it it just is mind-blowing and you know the amount of work and dedication it's got to be so much more you know you don't get any help at all from you know and with like powerlifting if you know you have very little use of your legs you're probably not focusing on anything that needs it but still it's it's very impressive yeah i mean and you think about I mean, some of the cases with Paralympic powerlifters, because it is like powerlifting in the Olympics, I think that's multiple events, but in the Paralympics, I think it's just bench press. And you take into consideration if they're not working out their legs, their leg weight, you can just take that out of the equation there. And these people are benching like three times their body weight, and it's all just concentrated in their upper body. It is a sight to behold. If you've never watched it, I recommend it. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, like it's amazing. It's amazing what human beings can do. But I think that's going to wrap it up for sports in Laos. And we got to cover some sports that we really don't see here in the United States. And yeah, Laos, they're not a sports superpower by any means, but they've shown they can hang with their much larger neighbors. And I think this is a good, as good an episode as any, just to say that sports aren't all about winning competitions. There's a whole aspect beyond that. And I know we like to focus on that, but like I've read stories about kids playing petanque in the streets of Laos and they would use their flip flops as the balls because they didn't have any balls to play with. So they would just throw their flip flops at a target and that's how they played. And like the Lao hockey, the uh, tiki, I mean, that's just a traditional thing. Saw all the pictures of them. It's just a bunch of, I guess, older people having fun, getting to hit this bamboo ball around. And when you got, you know, 20 plus people per side, that's just a massive game. And at, at that point, you're not really trying to win. It's just like you're having fun. Can anyone score? Because there's just so many people in the way. And it was a, a fun thing to dive in. Yeah, it seems like Laos has its work cut out for them. But never say never. Sports are you. you crazy things happen. You know, uh, underdogs win big. And, um, you know, we're definitely going to be rooting for them. I uh, I just hope, you know, it gets better. You know, hope the development comes in. It's kind of hard to invest in things. Your bigger sports when uh, you, know, you aren't getting results, but uh, who knows what they'll do. And with World Cup expanding, who knows? All it takes is, you know, a couple good players and uh, a little bit of luck and uh, you're there. Maybe we'll see them on the, on the world stage. And I guess first step is Asia Games, but uh, baby steps. Always yeah. making progress. All it takes is that one performance and then I could ignite something really big in a country but yeah um bobby uh 
it'll be a while before we have the this uh, episode but uh you want to give us a little little sneak peek a little hint about the next country profile yeah so we alternate every other week not going to give a hint for next week's episode just yet because we're going to be really sneaky this time surprise you but the week after two weeks from now uh the next country profile uh going to africa and your hint is that they're really big into patonk so we get to mention that again I was just kind of surprised looking at Patonk results, and I saw this country in a lot of the podiums for uh, the world championships. So it'll be fun. You've definitely heard of this country. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Anyway, uh, I guess we just want to say, you know, thanks for listening. It means the world to us when we, you know, see that episodes are getting listens. And if you have anyone you think that would like uh, the show, then the biggest thing you can do for us to help us out is to share the podcast. Give us likes, follows on your platform of choice and email us, reach out. Or if you want to discover something, you know, please tell us, you know, we'll prioritize it. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks again. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.